Hello, and welcome to episode 113 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're a source for drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content. That's right. We're a couple of regular dudes drinking some irregular beers and talking about Magic the Gathering in particular, the online client MTG Arena. That is right. And the new set, March of the Machine, just came out on Arena this last week. So this is our first sips episode or our first thoughts on the set. But first, each week we both bring a beer, we drink Jeff's, then drink mine, rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what's on tap? All right, here we have Iron Horse Trail IPA from Stockyards Brewing. This was the last, uh, the, this is the last remnant of my trip to Ottawa, the last one I brought back. And I've never actually tried this one, so it's a 6.3% IPA. Sweet. I am excited. It's a bronze winner of the Canadian Brewing Awards. So. Uh oh, bronze. Yeah, I mean that means something different in like <laughs> in the beer world <laughs> for us. Maybe this is our first bronze beer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, let's crack this open. And <sighs> but with that, we have some magic news. The Arena Open is this weekend, April 29th to the 30th. It is Mom Limited, which is sealed and draft. Uh, so go check that out if you're interested in some competitive magic this weekend. Maybe you'll win $2,000. But next week, you know, Jeff, a new set just came on Arena. We, we're doing the whole thing. We have the metagame challenge this weekend. And then that, you know, upcoming weekend, we have the arena open, all the fun stuff. So as they've planned it and the way that it, the cycle goes, we have some previews starting next week. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so if you weren't privy to this, um, March of the Machine has an epilogue set. Uh, it is called March of the Machine, The Aftermath. It is a 50 card set coming in for paper products it's coming with like five card boosters i think um and basically the story is next week may 1st and then the card previews are the second and the third the paper product comes out on the 12th of may and then i think i read somewhere that the one for arena comes on the 18th but that doesn't really make sense i think it's probably the 16th which is a tuesday mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so if you needed more cards to read or more stuff to do, uh, there's more. So that's exciting. Yeah. I, uh, I think a bunch of this was spoiled because I accidentally like stumbled across it. It was, uh, it was leaked. Or, sorry, yeah. leaked. Yeah, leaked. Yeah, 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 not spoiled. Um, so I, I saw like a few of the cards and realized, oh, this must be the aftermath set. And then I stopped, exited so that I could be surprised by. Yeah. spoilers but uh yeah there's some stuff there's some there's stuff. some there's some stuff um this is i don't know if this is the it's got to be the first time that they've done this right so the set you might be thinking oh that's weird a 50 card set it's standard legal and the point of it is to be more of a like lore focused set so the idea is that the march of the machine story has ended and this is like the epilogue which is the epilogue boosters um, to try to kind of explain in cards what happened um, to all the different planes and where everyone is now after 
the whole invasion. Um, which is an interesting idea, I think. It'll be cool to see them use this tool in different ways, as long as they don't do it too often. But yeah, if it's every set, that it's like it's a little tiring. What's the fucking point? But yeah, after every huge arc, <laughs> yeah, or you know, it's it's weird because it's like, hey, it's it's like a block, but not really. Um, mm -hmm. I wish they kind of just like waited longer for it to be a thing, but. You know, yeah. when they first announced that they were doing it, I was like, okay, and then it'll be like a month later. It's like, not really. The cards will be coming out a month after, but like you'll see previews like next week. So magic, magic does what it wants to do. So always yeah. previews, always, always previews. previews. But Jeff, let's stop talking about the future. Let's start talking about what's happening right now. Currently, March of the Machine, the set draft is on the table mostly. Um, though we will be talking later in this episode about our worthless slots for standard decks. So stay tuned for that. But I've mainly been playing draft and I want to know what you've been thinking because last week we talked about my pre-release experience. So what has your experience been with March of the Machine? Okay, so Zach and I talked a little bit about this off air, but I ran into some technical difficulties and I couldn't actually run Arena for a little while. Um, eventually I sorted that out. Um, but the sort of net result of that is that on the days when I had some time to actually play, instead I was troubleshooting. Um, so basically I have done one draft. Okay. Uh, I got six wins on you know, so I might just okay. like, if I'd gotten seven, I would have just stopped there, retired as the ultimate uh, March of the Machine drafter. Yeah. Um, but I think because I, I only got six, I, uh, I have to keep going. I, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair for sure. Yeah. I, uh, I drafted knights, blue white knights. Okay. And my sample size is small, but I think knights is busted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, it was it felt very very good and actually the game six like i was uh six and two right yeah classic. Um, and i lost to a better blue white bite stack because, <laughs> because i kind of waffled a bit i was trying to like stay open and i didn't know what was good and then i just kept seeing these knights cards so i was like fuck it let's try knights um so my opponent was very clearly like into nights a little earlier than I was because yeah. they had all the uncommons and all the good commons and stuff. Um, so, and they were on the play. So I was just like, okay, well, what are you gonna do? The, uh, the knights theory is not debunked though, because the only thing that could beat me was knights and then the other two decks that beat me. Um, <laughs> the format was pretty fun. I had, a, I had a lot of fun in the draft. It was really difficult to navigate the draft because. Uh, we knew this was going to happen, but I couldn't read. Every, I didn't have time to read all the cards. Yeah. Um, so I think that's partly why I liked knights too, because knights are mostly like, it's a knight. If you have a knight, it does this, mm -hmm. or like it's plus one plus one, or, or it freezes. First something. strike or whatever, yeah. Right. And I was like, okay, I can very quickly read this, and I know that it's pretty good in my deck. And, uh, you know, worst case scenario, I spend a bunch of time reading, and I just take whatever card says knight in the creature type. Mm -hmm. And like, it's probably a reasonable pick. Um, so I'm excited to like get a few more drafts under my belt where maybe I know once you start to recognize the cards by sight, 
uh, just the picture gets a lot easier. Mm. Um, but yeah, it felt, it felt, and the, the gameplay was fun too. I, I felt like I was kind of steamrolling people. So I felt like Knights was probably pretty, pretty good. Cause especially, you know, the classic creature decks in the early phases mm-hmm. of a draft format when people are messing around, um, tend to be pretty good. Like just every card in your deck's a creature. You're just playing a creature every turn. You attack. You're, you're going to win a lot of games that way. Yeah. Um, but the Knights deck was giving me some free wins, man. It was like, I have a two drop three, one. It's basically going to be indestructible. Or sorry, well, his first strike. Yeah. And then like my four drops gonna come down and friggin' frost links something. And it's just like this I was on the play, so I guess you lose because this was my hand. Like yeah. Uh, felt very, very good. Yeah. That sounds like my experience playing against that deck, especially because the yeah. Lord comes down and is like, Oh, do you have a one good block never mind you don't have that good block because i'm yeah. just going to tap it or um there's a lot of like good tempo pieces in blue that like bounce your opponent's shit or like really throws them off guard so um that has been the fast good deck that comes out swinging and mm-hmm. i have not been able to put it together however um as you have had computer issues this week i have also had computer issues <laughs> and so my first draft on arena was on my phone um so i did uh, not think of that I, I actually well i thought of it but i was like am i gonna read these cards on my phone how the hell am i gonna do that <laughs> yeah so i it makes it hard um it makes it really hard. It was, it's already hard to draft on your phone. I've drafted sets on my phone before where I didn't know them very well. This mm-hmm. one was the hardest. Um, yeah. And I think overall, I've probably drafted like five or six times and I have not liked it at all. <laughs> I've been having a really rough, it's Is been that a rough code week. for you've been losing or? Yeah, yeah, I've been losing pretty badly. I think there was one deck I played where, um, I got like above four wins. So it's been, it's Ouch, been like yeah. two threes, zero threes. So that's yeah, a rough start. If you're out there, I think it's just because um, your experience has been like one great fast deck. I haven't been able to build a fast enough deck. I've built mm-hmm. enough decks that like almost get there. And then your opponent can, there's swingy stuff where your opponent can come back and just you could just you could just lose where it looks like oh i like i play in a way even with my bombs and stuff i'm like i'm going to win this game and then i might make a lapse in judgment or something happens and then all of a sudden the game's just like unwinnable in like two or three turns later and i'm like oh i made a mistake four turns ago by playing another creature when i should have tried to pressure more damage and like things like that which or I'm, maybe I'm just not used to, I think I'm just like, I don't like this set because I'm mad that I'm losing and I don't want to look at why I'm losing or figure it out. I'm just upset that I am and I don't know what to do about it. I can it. tell you why you're losing. Why? There's no toxic. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, <laughs> I do like toxic. Um, so I think I got one six win deck and that was with like what I thought was a really, really, it was 
Oh, it was a fucking train wreck of a draft. It was the biggest train wreck where I was, I had been drinking a little bit and of course, and Mm -hmm. I was waffling between playing um, white red or blue red. Uh, And so I was kind of drafting like this weird Jeskai deck, but then I would accidentally draft cards where I'm like, oh, I'm just going to play white blue now. But then I draft red cards, forgetting that I was not drafting that. And it, it was just it was just like all over the place. And I ended up being able to build this deck that was like mainly blue red. It splashed for Zergo, the um, Zergo and Ojitai. Yeah, a ridiculous and, card. And I think I ended up doing quite well with that somehow. I don't know really what happened. Um, but that was one of those decks where I'm like, oh, that was horrible. I, I was going to name it like worst deck ever just because it was like, that was, it was just, I barely had enough playables. Like I had to scrape everything together. Worst deck ever, but my best deck apparently. Apparently. Personal performing best deck. Which is hard because now I just feel like what's. What's going on? What am I supposed to do? Like, I don't know. What right. I, do. I was like, I don't know if any of the cards are good. I don't know what's going on. I feel so lost. <laughs> I, I, it's so bad, Jeff. It's so bad. Oh my gosh. So I'm hoping that it's just because I don't know all the cards well enough yet. Though at this point, I feel like I kind of know what all the cards do. So yeah. I like it's it's funny you talk about swinginess because I definitely encountered that like where there were games where my like inner self or or just my like autopilot I guess my natural limited player inside Mm -hmm. me was like this game is over there's there is no chance that I lose this game and then my opponent plays one card and I'm like oh actually I didn't that uh that's going to change things. Yeah. Now it's like, now we need to top deck something. The biggest one, because there were two different games. I beat this card twice, and both times I should have lost to it, I think. Um, but it was rare, but it's, it's. Uh, I had to look this up. It's Boonbringer Valkyrie. Oh, yeah. It was a 4-4 four, four flying first strike lifelink backup one. Or sorry, backup ones before all that. Otherwise, mm-hmm. wouldn't uh, wouldn't give it to it. Man, that card can swing some shit. Like it's it's yeah. five life linking damage right now, and that and then four for all subsequent turns. It's like nigh impossible to race it. I had a really interesting game where I was I had like five creatures out to my opponents two or whatever. That was my you know all right job done. Like yeah, it's, they have it's no cards weird. in hand. Like they we win. Yeah. They draw one card. This was the card they drew. They slam it. I'm just like, oh, so now I have like, even though I think I was at 20, mm-hmm. or at least I was at like 18, maybe. I was like, oh, so now, now we have like two draw steps or we're going to lose. Huh. And then I drew the freezer, <laughs> the like, Frostlink's knight. Oh, knight, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, that actually swings the race exactly in my favor because I had a, some flyers as well. It's mm-hmm. like tapping it down for the as a blocker and then for the one attack. 
was like exactly enough. So I played it and I'm like, <laughs> you top deck me, I top deck you. And then my opponent top decks the creature that exiles something and it has a plane cycling. brings it back. <laughs> so no, so uh, the one that plane cycling that exiles one of my things. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And they exiled my only, like my win con basically. And then also loaded up the extra ground blocker they needed to mm -hmm. survive the all out attack. And then, uh, and then I top deck the aura that gives something flying in plus two, plus two nice. to like make another flyer that was going to be lethal. And it was just like, we literally just top decked each other back and forth four times in a row. And I, <laughs> I was just like on the lucky end of and that. Um, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> but it's like, I think there's, I got the feeling that this is the type of format where that type of stuff's going to happen a lot because some of the cards are just so powerful yeah. and do so many things, right? So generally you feel comfortable if you're two cards up in a situation, right? Like mm. there's no one card they could draw that that's going to save them because I'm two cards up. But so many cards are two cards in this format that it's like... It's, it's not only that, it's just like there are so many other random cards that you're going to lose to that aren't even in the set, you know? Like the, right. the the legend sheet like really matters. Yeah. Because like Raph is still busted. Yeah. Um, Raph is that busted. Hasn't changed. <laughs> uh I I've had um some of the like demigods or what's her name? Um the green one that like every time a creature enters the battlefield, it gets a plus one plus one counter. Um, yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Limited. Those things like that that you're just like not really expecting because you're not you don't think it's really going to happen in this set is crazy. And I ended up drafting, this was one of my worst decks, but it was super fun because it was so stupid. But like I, so uh, my pack one pick one was uh, the team up like Juru and Hazret. And mm -hmm. so it's like um, two red, red, white for a five, four God human i think or something but anyway if you don't have any cards in your hand it has vigilance and haste but when it attacks uh you get to look at like the top six cards of your deck and you get to play um a legendary for free and right. so then when i got that i was like this is weird but i might try it and then the next card that i got in my pack two pick or sorry pack one pick two was uh that somebody ended up passing me um niv mizzet reborn so i was like <laughs> I think I have to build this stupid deck. So it ended up being like you do. Ha you do have to. Yeah. It, it ended up being like five color <laughs> guild legends, basically, which is I, like I took. Trying to build Niv Mizzet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, so and it's it, hard enough to build and construct it. Man. Yeah. Um, it was not super great, but um, taking like as many of the gain lands as I could, and along the way. I ended up getting Omnath too. And so then I. <laughs> so, You're literally playing my Explorer deck. <laughs> it was so stupid. So, like, um, I had like the the green creature that untaps a land. So, like, you just have a bunch of the gain lands to get all your different colors. And then, like, you could end up. I turned three Omnath by paying the two life for black. And then I ended up being able to turn four Niv Mizzet because I can untap one of my lands that has double colors. And then, <laughs> so I have a screenshot of me like with Niv Mizzet on the stack and my opponent at 16 just conceding because they're like, I'm not 
I'm not playing this game. Um, I still went like two, three with that deck. It was pretty bad because there was one game where like I even had all my mana. I did all my stuff, but I drew out. I lot. I drew too many cards, and I I just couldn't oh, kill geez. them. Yeah, I just couldn't do it. So they the board got too stuffed, yeah. and I I was like, well, that's it. Because you know, it turns out that a lot of the like guild colored legends or just a lot of like legend cards um don't necessarily work well together it's like <laughs> dina and you're like sick if i gain life this would be good but none of my cards gain life and like this card that like helps for equipped creatures but i don't have any equipment you know oh, stuff like that this yeah. is like not good um i had both um all just to enable nivmizzet <laughs> yeah just just for nivmizzet um and then for juru and hazard i had um uh, Yargle, and then I also had Yargle and Multani, which is just like stupid shit. It's like, so basically my win con was like, I need to put the wings, the plus two plus two and draw card aura onto Multani and um, love it. Uh, Yargle and attack in the air. Yeah. That was basically for 20. That was it. That was, perfect. that was my only one condition basically. So it was a bad deck, but it was fun. And that's the most fun I think I've had with the set was playing the stupid deck where everything else is just it felt. sounds awesome it's yeah you're playing omnivore mm -hmm. um, yeah the uh it's, it's, i'm so jealous of that that sounds amazing <laughs> I, i'm just picturing you with like jeru and hazard on the battlefield and like 12 cards in hand basically <laughs> like, uh -oh. so i can turn this thing on anytime soon nope. no it's just a five four that attacks and plays cards for free um but did you ever live the dream of hazarding into Nif Visit? No, because most of the time when I would hazard, I would fail to find. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> um, because usually the turn, like I would play it and be like, well, there's only one card in my hand, so I can't attack, but next turn I'll be able to attack and do something. And then I draw Nip Visit. And then I'm like, Classic. No, leave it on the top. <laughs> um, yeah. So that ended up being a bummer but there is a like this draft format there's so much going on which is what i think i need to take a step back and instead of trying to kill people quickly i think i need to i just have to play magic differently or play limited differently than most sets because mm -hmm. it just feels so much different and there's so many other there's so many weird decision points like all the different battles that come into play are like mini Shahrazad games that you're playing, debating like, is this worth? Like, do I care about this one? Which ones do I care about? Um, and can I, can I let you have this? Can I not let you have this? Um, and and doing any of that stuff, it's it's been it's been a lot. So yeah, yeah, I would say in this set more than any like you should always be doing this a little bit but the thing in this set to watch out for is cards you lose to because mm -hmm. that's like the fastest way to basically if you're just trying to identify what cards are good only by looking at how they perform for you it's going to take you longer than if you look at how it you know everybody's data yeah and the data that you have access to is your your side of the performance, but also your opponents. Yeah. What are the cards that they're beating you with? Um, normally, it's like, you know, you do that a little bit, and you're like, okay, I wasn't sold on this card, but 
um, now that I've seen it in action, I'm a, okay. I'm you're starting to change my mind. This set is a lot more like uh, I didn't understand what that card did, mm -hmm. and now that I've played against it a couple of times, I realize it's busted. Like there's going to be a lot more of that. <laughs> yeah, there actually is one card in particular that's very much the I didn't know what that card did, and. Uh, I've, I've, there's some stuff on Twitter talking about it a little bit, and I think um, Louis Scott Vargas was specifically saying he thinks it's a mistake and shouldn't be in the set, which is very interesting. Mm. But it's uh, Phyrexian Sensor. I was uh, literally just looking at. I have this card on my screen right yeah. now. I'm looking at it. <laughs> so it's uh, two and a white for a three-three Phyrexian Wizard, and it says each player can't cast more than one non-Phyrexian spell each turn. And then non-Phyrexian creatures enter the battlefield tapped. The big thing is each player can't cast more than one non-Phyrexian spell because what happens is if you attack a battle and attack it down, what it says mm -hmm. is you exile it and cast that card. Cast it. Right. So what will happen a lot of times is that people... And they're will... never Phyrexians on the other side. Never. So what will happen is if you play a card first that's not Phyrexian and then attack a battle to nothing, it you won't be able to cast you miss it. Miss your battle, yeah. And, and yeah, that's something I would have missed too until like it happened to me. Yeah, so that's really important to remember that like if your opponent has that card, you cannot attack a battle if you played a non-Phyrexian card that turn. Because... That's super annoying. It feels like the dev team missed that mm -hmm. or something like. This this card was developed in a different like ecosystem than the battles. Yeah, uh, it's probably intended to be a constructed card or something, yeah. or just like a weird hoser. You know, yeah, a constructed card or just but now nice... you have this weird uncommon that just like kind of really ruins one of the huge themes of your set. Like that's a mistake. They didn't they didn't do that on purpose. No, no, because. Um... It's much more of a gotcha, like oh, you. It's it's old school magic where it's like oh, you didn't know the rules, right. you know. You didn't know this weird interaction rule <laughs> because the card, yeah. Because Which... it doesn't feel like intuitively, it doesn't feel like you're casting the battle, you're flipping it. Mm -hmm. But for like technical rules reasons, they had it exile and cast. Yeah, and so yeah. It, it it doesn't even feel like a like it's all just technicalities, basically. Exactly, it's basically like. A lot of people are guessing like, oh, this card was put into the file when battles used to just flip. But then at some point right. down the line, they decided to make some battles flip into sorceries and instants so that you you can't just flip them. They have to be cast. Um, gotcha. Yeah, that sounds pretty plausible. Yeah. So then, so then they added cast to it and just forgot about this card, um, which is, I think, a, a pretty big miss. That, that kind of sucks. Um, but hey, you know, take that information however you want to so if that's like sweet now i can try to trick people you know what go for it like people have to learn somehow i don't really know what else to tell you um but just this is mainly to say beware of uh phyrexian sensor it uh it might yeah. get you and then the other the i see yeah like that just makes this card a little better than it already is, I think. Mm -hmm. Although I am super interested in drafting drafting the white black Phyrexians archetype. It's good. 
because the card that caught my eye when I was drafting, but it was a little too late, had kind of solidified into blue. Like white was for sure my color the whole time, and then it's mm -hmm. kind of solidified into blue. But I saw sculpted perfection, which is like the Lord enchantment. It's like a Lord, but it incubates or whatever. So it incubates two, and then Phyrexians get plus one, plus one. Right, right, like right. This card just looks nuts in the black white deck. Like, because it's a lord that you can't get rid of as easily as most mm -hmm. like normally it's a lord i just kill a creature and creature you should have plenty of ways to kill creatures in your deck mm -hmm. the fact that it's the enchantment is the lord and the the creature is like sure it costs you two mana or whatever but um this card seems seems very very strong so yeah. i'm like this deck looks real it does. There's actually an uncommon cycle of like um, enchantments that all do stuff with. Um, they like come down, do something with Phyrexians basically, and incubate. And the one that's gotcha. been most frustrating to me is the Phyrexian Awakening, which is the three mana white one that incubates for four and gives Phyrexians vigilance. Hmm. Has just happened to be the one where it's like, I know it's just like it. It technically costs five mana over two turns to get a four four on turn four with vigilance but like mm -hmm. having still having a four four with vigilance attack you just like gums up the board enough at least with the decks that i was playing where i was trying to go lower to the ground like i just couldn't do anything like i think the weird thing about removal. incubate is that because they transform they can attack as soon as you transform them and that mm -hmm. always feels wrong to me every time somebody does it i'm like ah i think can attack right now yeah oh, shit <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of strange um yeah but it's that's how it goes <laughs> yeah so. like it, it makes sense rules wise mm -hmm. and stuff and i guess like you are paying a premium for this creature so the fact that it has haste maybe isn't the worst thing in the world but it always just catches me a little by surprise where i'm like oh yeah that thing can attack yeah and surprise block when you, you can yeah. you know yeah, oh. I also assume everything is only at sorcery speed these days because they make mm -hmm. so many things give that rider, but this not one for incubate is not. So it makes it even stronger. Um, and even also just like the random thing of like giving all Phyrexians vigilance, which is like all your creatures. So it's like Phyrexian sensor also has vigilance. Every other Phyrexian, anytime you transform right, one of your right. random uncommons or commons into a Phyrexian, it has vigilance. It just ends up being better. It ends up being vigilance ends up being pretty strong in a format where convoke is one of the mechanics where like you just yes. like attack with a bunch of stuff and then I can still play spells and convoke and stuff. Um, yeah, so that was the other thing I was going to mention about why I thought playing knights felt busted because I was constantly curving out on people, but then all my stuff has vigilance and then all of my non-creature spells have convoke so there were literally like turns where i was curving out two drop three drop four drop and attacking with everything and holding up counter magic it felt like the or uh draw like a mm -hmm. added end step divination yeah it's like this that... this is stupid. this is really stupid <laughs> so we talked about this in other formats where i don't love divination just in, in general but it's because it's sorcery speed First of all, okay, that's a big reason why yeah. I don't like divination. This is, I guess it's not divination because it's, uh, what's it called? It's inspiration. Inspiration. But the card is called Meeting of the Minds, and it's an inspiration, which is three and a blue for an instant draw two cards, but it has Convoke. So you just, 
you just do it for free or you do it for one. Oh boy, that, that card felt good. It's very good. I think it's so strong. <laughs> like the convulsion like, is sweet. Yeah. I would so consistently like turn four, play the uh the knight, two two knight with vigilance that makes another two two knight with vigilance, like attack, and then still play that card on their end stuff. Like Yeah. It it felt a bit a bit ridiculous. Yeah, but I because... was like drawing cards and countering spells. Meanwhile, attack all every turn, and I have a huge board. Like, what is this deck? That's just it's like a constructed deck. It's just it's it's quite good. Um, also, because blue has like the um, the uh, preening champion, which is like the wind drake that gives you a, a one one weird. That's also yeah. a knight, just because. Um, <laughs> randomly yeah it's it's just i don't know i think that's the deck that i need to like lean into a little bit more like you were talking about uh incubate specifically which i think is super strong um mm -hmm. but me leaning into more of like the convoke strategies because in my mind i tend i don't know if anyone does like this shortcut but it's like cards that have low casting costs look strong cards with high casting costs sometimes just look super weak and uh yeah. i just do that inherently and there's like what is this card that i like probably didn't really look at ever with artistic refusal which is like four blue blue for an instant man that card slaps people yeah. like because it you're not expecting it because you're tapped out and yeah, it's you're tapped like... out it has convoke and it says choose one or both counter target spell or draw two cards then discard a card but you can do both and you can yeah maybe have i don't know a single whatever color doesn't matter because most of your creatures will be blue i guess in this case but like you just don't see that card coming it's like it's the white knight that makes the token it makes a blue token it's blue and white oh gosh. and so like those tokens that you and then there's the the strobe knight or whatever where whenever you cast two spells in a turn he makes more knights so and he has vigilance naturally it's, yeah the card's ridiculous it's so good uh, the it's... first time I cast the artistic spell, I didn't realize you could choose both until it, it was on up. the screen oh. in front of me. Mm -hmm. And I, I was like, oh, I think I'm going to do both. <laughs> I, I was thinking like, oh, I'll counter whatever they play. If they don't play anything, I'll draw. Mm -hmm. Seems pretty good. And then they played something I wanted to counter. So I decided to counter. And then I'm about to hit OK. I'm like, wait a minute. Can, can I choose both? This card is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> How do you it's, come back from getting your spell countered and then your opponent draws two discards one? Like, I know uh, it's net even on cards, but I'm obviously, I'm at six mana. I'm obviously binning land, the land, yeah, and like exactly. drawing gas. So Well, no, you're not even on six mana, though, because you don't have to be, because you can play it with the creatures that you That's have. True. I, I mean, you probably are by the time you're Close to casting it, but... that card, but yeah. But you, you can... You're not paying six mana for no. it, that's for sure. No, 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 no um so those types of cards being able to be like okay no this is really these are good um yeah i think convoke feels like one of those playing with it again mm -hmm. um because i love convoke it's and i'd love to see it in a color that's not green because yeah. i think it's just been it's always been green white green. like celestia yeah. was its colors yeah and it makes sense there right but it's mm -hmm. just fun to see it elsewhere um i just think it's so much that... 
Oh, sorry. You, you can go ahead because I, I, have I was just going to say, like, you can tell it's an old mechanic. Like it was designed a while ago because I feel like if this was designed today, you wouldn't be able to pay the colored mana with it. Mm -hmm. It would be like only the colorless. And then you do have to tap some lands. Yeah. And I, my, my mind like auto corrects that that's how it works. And then I'm like, wait, no, I could cast this. Like, mm -hmm. this is so stupid. Okay, I could cast this. This is dumb. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so for you uh, players out there who haven't played with Convoke yet, it is very, very good, especially in Limited, where you want creatures anyways. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what you should be doing is playing a lot of creatures. And, you know, the other thing about Limited is free spells are very, very good because basically the way you win in limited or the way you get ahead is play two spells in one turn or one turn cycle because mm -hmm. um, that's generally hard to do in limited and uh this makes it a lot easier so i have a feeling that like the convoke colors have a natural kind of leg up on the other colors in limited because uh, convoke's just that good yeah I also think it's interesting to have it in like a spells matter archetype where I feel like Celestia Convoke stuff always feels like it's just like making creatures or like pumping creatures or or just doing that kind of shenanigans, which is just like kind of compounding on itself and not the same as like, I don't know, uh, tap down your stuff and put stun counters on it or kill your creature or draw a fuck ton of cards, you know, stuff like that. Right. Where it's like, oh, I, this isn't just making more creatures or gaining life. Like, this is just so much more interesting. Besides, uh, like... Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I can't even think of an example of what I was trying to explain. But I, it just feels... Not that it's really that much better, but I just kind of... I feel like it fits better in this set. I like it. I'm very happy that it's not green white is what I'm really trying to say. I'm happy yeah. that they decided to take it and put it into a different color so that we get to see it differently because we've already seen it twice in green white and I'm tired. In the green white, yeah. yeah. And one of my criticisms of how they did it in the past was the way they tried to make decisions interesting is like you said, Convoke was often uh, and they did a little bit of this set too, but um, Convoke was often, oh, put a plus one, plus one counter on everything that convoked this. Mm -hmm. Or uh, like you said, it was always combat based or power and toughness based. And so what they were saying was, hey, this is interesting because if you convoke, you don't get to attack. Mm -hmm. And this is a thing that makes you better in combat. The problem was they they were so like, they were dishing out so much vigilance that that just didn't really matter. All my creatures have Vigilance, so this just became an outrageous combat trick that mm -hmm. is going to give them all plus one, plus one. And, and I got to attack, and I got to cast it for free because of Convoke. Whereas this time, the Vigilance thing doesn't always feel... It still feels a little, you know, powerful, but it's not the same like, oh, this just broke my whole decision because the spells aren't always combat-based this time. Mm -hmm. Um so it feels a lot more like rather than tension that the vigilance is just getting around this is this feels like synergy mm -hmm. the point is i attack with vigilance and then hold up this other spell yeah not like the point was i should have to decide but i haha i don't have to because of vigilance yeah 
Yeah. Like the one key element is like, do I play this or attack? Yeah. 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 So it's, um, it's cool. You know, honestly, I mean, I know free spells are like an issue or whatever, but they feel so inherently magic, you know? Yeah. Like when you, when you think of like classic magic card, like force of will is like top of the list for me of just like playing stuff for free or being able to do things, get around mana costs and stuff. It's so magic that. Right. And convoke, it, it really does a good job of like convoke is not busted. No, it's no. very, very strong, especially in limited, but in constructed, it's not busted because it's free quote unquote, but it, it does require something pretty substantial of you, mm-hmm. which is to have a bunch of, to have a big battlefield or a big board. Um, so it's not like force of will, which requires you to have at least one life, two cards in hand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Both at least which, two cards yeah. in hand. <laughs> one of which is force of will um, and the other is blue. Yeah. Right. Where to the point where people are literally just putting cards in their deck because they are blue. Because they are blue. It's like, well, it pitches to forcible, so that makes it so much better. Yeah. Uh, like, what's the best convoke spell in construct? It's probably like Court of Calling. Court of Calling. Which I love, and I love Court of Calling, but no one will say. I don't think anyone would claim Court of Calling is busted. It doesn't even really see much play. No. Uh, it's just a really well-designed and fun card. So um, the Convoke is just getting free, quote-unquote, free spells. It's mm-hmm. getting it right because it feels like you're cheating when you're doing it, but it's not so busted that it ruins the game. Yeah. I I agree. Um, yeah. I, I think... I I wanted to come out of this and be like, I am energized to play some more March of the Machine and feel differently about it. But at the same time, I I think I just need a, a little bit, I, I feel like I need a moment away from it. So honestly, for the first time in a very long time, have I started to look towards standard and be like, maybe I should just be playing standard and I'm not as interested in playing as much draft as possible because... You know, it it pe- people have been saying it feels really bomby, and there's a bunch of things like that, which it does feel very powerful. I don't know if I feel as much like, oh, you just happened to open a bomb and that's the game, because there's so many goddamn rares and legendaries all over the place that like everybody has them, so it doesn't feel as like, oh, well, you just happened to open that, so that just happens. Like Crimson Vow, it kind of feels like, yeah, yeah. I also have some busted stuff i just didn't draw at this game um which yeah i think that's an important distinction in you know everyone just says prince or popper or whatever and it's like okay it's a prince format but there are prince formats where it's like like you said there are just some cards that are so good that they can mm-hmm. never be beaten sort of like your um trying to think of the most recent one uh I was thinking in, in Crimson Vow, there's that one green creature that has hexproof and then flips and gives all your creatures hexproof and puts counters on everything every turn. Right. That was yeah. just like, I was is... thinking, I was going like old school to like Tetsamok. And, um, but the, there were just some cards that you basically can't beat. Maybe if we're going, if we're going old school, you could do a Umazawa's Jite. 
Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can never beat that card for the limit. Uh, and so if it has a few of those, that's one thing. This set feels like every deck is going to have two or three game-winning, like game-turning bombs. And it's a little more who draws their bombs kind of thing mm -hmm. at the right time. And who has Managed. prepared for bombs by like putting enough removal and holding it. Yes. So that's my other tip. You know, I've only played one draft, but one thing I'm going to be doing going forward, because I actually made this mistake in a couple of games, I'm going to be really, really strict with my removal. Mm -hmm. It has to it has to demand the removal spell to earn it. Because there's some good removal in this format, but there's a lot of really great creatures. So you have to kind of suppress the natural instinct that anyone who's been playing for a while has where you're a little ahead, your opponent plays something, and you're just ma most mana efficient plays to remove that blocker and just really get, get in there. I think this is not the set for that because yes, your opponent's going to be able to stabilize with one of their huge like game-turning threats, and then you're going to wish you had that like all-powerful removal spell that you just you just blew yeah. on like a three-four. <laughs> this is my number one issue with this format is that I <laughs> love making mana efficient plays to be more aggressive, mm -hmm. and I've been punished over and over and over and over again, and I will not learn yeah. because I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I made that mistake, but got like luckily bailed out by my deck, and then I was like, mental note, don't do that again. <laughs> yeah. Um. You can work around a 3-4, you know? Mm -hmm. You can't work around a 4-4 four, four flying first strike vigilance that life gives link. something else that yeah. lifelink, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, yeah. So definitely look out for that stuff. Um, I also will say there are some really interesting things that go on with some of the, like, legendary, uh, like, Legends of the Multiverse cards. And one of them that I think is really, really interesting and an include that I was like, ooh, spicy, like I, I like that, is uh, Tesa, the one from Guilds of Ravnica or, or uh, mm -hmm. Ravnica Allegiance, because the main thing that everyone cared about is like it's a four mana white and black 2-4 that doubles death triggers, but the mm -hmm. other line of text is that it gives all tokens lifelink and vigilance. So it makes all of your incubate tokens, that did that, but right? Yeah. <laughs> but it makes all of your incubate tokens have vigilance and lifelink in the colors of incubate, which is just so cool. That's and pretty cool. I remember opening that card and being like, "That's this fucking card is so useless." And then I read it, I was like, "Wait, that's really smart. What a cool, fun, you know." Everyone reads like that card was huge when it came out. Everyone, at least commander players, were so excited about like a double deaths triggered deck, you know. Um, and the other part was kind of just like, oh, and then something with I was pretty face. excited about it. But... Yeah. But like, I like them finding cards that are like, there are two lines of text. The main line that seems the most exciting is useless. And the second line that seems useless is the most important. That right. seemed exciting. It's really nice when they do that. Like, yeah. the card, the line of text this card's famous for. Is pretty much garbage here. Mm -hmm. Like might trigger once randomly on something. Yeah. Uh, but then the line of text that everybody forgets is on this card. Super matters. Super matters. So cool. Um, so I'm excited to see more 
decks that are really looking for some of those cards because they do wheel quite a bit because they can be niche-ish some of the legends of the multiverse. You're just like, yeah. Some of them are just good, but some of them are kind of like, ah, oh, this is, it doesn't fit my deck at all. You know, it, it's just, it's not great. So I think it's, yeah. they do actually play pretty... a bigger part in the, the draft format than in other sets, which is kind of weird, but um, it's, it's a little weird because you you sometimes die to these other cards that aren't even in the set. But I, I do like the bonus sheet still. I think I'm very pro bonus sheet. Yeah, I've been enjoying it too. I have a kind of funny experience with it. I think it was my second last match or third last, whatever. That, that doesn't matter at all to the story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my opponent played uh, Thalia on turn yeah. two. Uh, oh, yeah. And by the, by the way, the new, like, the Thalia art, I think, is really gorgeous in this. Mm -hmm. I know there's like a, a million versions of Thalia now. Yeah. Um, but I really liked this one so much so that, like, my I almost roped because I was just looking at it. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I guess I got to play a card. Um, anyways, the Thalia was very easy for my Knight's deck to, to fight through. I played the 3-1 that's always going to have a first strike, played the Flyer on turn three, played the Tapper, the mm. like freeze it, freezer on turn four. Um, I love that freezer. It's I love yeah. just calling a creature a freezer because it just Mr. Seems, freeze. It just seems like it's a, yeah. a big like freezer big, in your garage. Yeah. One of those chest freezers <laughs> yeah. you keep in your basement. Yeah, that's you just throw somebody in there and close <laughs> it for a turn. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the Thalia didn't really factor into combat at all. Mm -hmm. um, just the way my hand lined up. Uh, but eventually we're in this situation where I have uh, a lethal threat that's flying and my opponent sits there and tanks for a really long time and then attacks with their Thalia and I have like three threes and four fours and stuff like they're attacking with a two one right and I'm sitting there like oh so someone has a removal spell that they can't cast huh Someone, someone's mm -hmm. trying to get the Thalia off the board. Oh, no blocks. <laughs> and then they, they, as soon as I hit no blocks, they concede because I oh. had like the lethal flyer. So it was yeah. like you definitely were one shy of a removal spell <laughs> that you couldn't cast because of the random Thalia you put in the deck. That's and so you funny. last ditch effort, like maybe he'll block. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. Uh, the suicide Thalia. <laughs> Yeah, that's what you like. Do you try the um, like you you have the one creature you're trying to like get into combat and you like just quickly attack and then you just go oops 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 yeah. <laughs> and see I, if, they... if my opponent had thrown a few more oops is my way, I may have blocked it. But... Yeah, <laughs> just... it was also at like I was at sixteen or something. <laughs> yeah, so you're like, yeah, what's the point? Um, no, that is funny. Uh... <laughs> so. Anyway, I am. But I liked I liked them playing to their outs. Yeah. See, maybe you know, they'll block. <laughs> maybe they'll block. Yeah. Um, you gotta at least try, right? So, but in any case, uh, Jeff, I think we should get to our worth of slots. But before that, we need to go on a beer break. So let's finish these and get get going. Get gone. <laughs> let's do it. Cheers. 
This beer break is brought to you by our patrons over on Patreon. That's right. You're already supporting the show just by being a listener. But if you want to support the show even more, well, Patreon is the best way to do that. Plus, you get to vote on your favorite co-host by buying me a beer. Or buying me a beer. So go to patreon.com slash arena regulars to vote on your favorite host. Or if you'd rather send us beer emojis rather than IRL beers, you can do that too. You should do that on our Discord channel. The link should be in the show notes. That is right. But Jeff, I got another beer for us. Um, something with a weird label, normal looking beer, but like kind of wacky. Um, this is Nickelbrook's Winter Wizard right here. Uh, we also have a nice picture of the wizard here. He's got his orb with hops in the uh, in it, the orb, which is quite I nice. Like this could be like a alternate art magic card. It does look super cool. Oh, sick. Wait, secret layer beer labels? Oh, fuck. That's so cool. They'd have Man, me. They'd have me. I would buy They're that. The only one. secret layer I ever buy. Only one. Uh, anyway. On that one. <laughs> so Winter Wizard is a magical IPA. It's 6.2%. Um, they have some nice notes on the back though, which is always good. I love, you know, this little chart here is much more helpful, um, than some kind of random, oh, well, to be fair, this one does give us some random shit. It says like it, it, the taste profile is magical, juicy, and winter spirit, which juicy is the only one that actually makes any sense with that, but what it's not nice. space. <laughs> yeah. But like saying what malts and hops and yeast they use is, is quite nice though. I think they may have decided that this is the beer is called winter wizard because they say the poor color is hop blizzard so yeah i, I feel like they've just gone 50 50 here on mm -hmm. meaningful and like they couldn't decide whether they wanted it to be informative or a joke or, yeah like, dorky <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> and they did both they uh, did which both. i definitely appreciate i do as well um so you know nickelbrook this you know I'm not always on their excited about their beers, but this is one that mm -hmm. looked more more interesting than uh, as somebody who brews beers themselves and uh, like is often trying to recreate beers that they like. I do love the brewers elements thing. Mm -hmm. Like they don't tell you a recipe. Oh, it's seventy percent pilsner malts, ten percent mm -hmm. wheat malt, twenty percent rolled oats. They just say those are the three things. Um, and the grain bill is probably pretty similar to what I just said, because those are the percentages you tend to use those things in. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they can, I feel like I like a brewery that's confident enough to tell you exactly what's, if, and probably if you called them up and asked them, they'd tell you how to make it. Yeah, because so this is something we don't talk about on the show a lot. We try not to talk too much about specific beer things. I don't know. <laughs> but now that we're talking about it. The hops they're using are Sabro, Mosaic, and Walme, and the yeast is Vermont Ale, which these are all just things that completely change all of the beers and like could be little subtle hints in the names that you see in beers. And then you realize, oh, it's because they use that specific yeast and that's why they call it that or whatever. Um, right. And, and if they have this on every beer, then you as like a consumer can start to learn what you like and what you don't like. Exactly. Um, and like, I already know, for example, that every beer that has uh, like certain strands of hops are things I should, I'm going to feel a bit weird about. Mm -hmm. um, 
so when I like I like these I actually don't know Wame that well oh is that um, an I why I thought that was a, I thought it was an L my bad um, well I don't that... know how to pronounce this it's W-A-I-M-E-A um, but I know Sabro and Mosaic yes and I, Mosaic is great yes anyway. so yeah, it's just helpful to know that going in what should i buy this <laughs> yeah there may be i'm just laughing because there may be a reason we don't talk too much about like specific things about beer because yeah, I, yeah everyone's I mean, already tuned out so. well not just that they tuned out but i completely mispronounce a word that i don't understand and uh, <laughs> oh yeah yeah, yeah just that's classic. why we don't do it cause... <laughs> yeah because i don't know how to Zach's like sit citra <laughs> citra win terror wizard yes yeah. <laughs> anyway uh let's crack this open and let's get to talk about magic so people can stop uh yep. listening to me all right or start listening to me about something else that i know a little bit more about um so we're going into our worth a slot segment it's our world famous one worth a slot yes you know it you love it you come here for it i know you do um still here by popular demand yeah, that's right. People tell us, hey, don't get rid of that. Um, so these are cards that we believe that you should be playing in standard. Jeff, do you want to explain our rating system for our worth yes. slots? So we have a sports themed rating system. <laughs> um... <laughs> Sorry, it's stuff's funny. <laughs> I love it. So we uh, basically have three cards. The first that we'll pick, the first is a layup. This is a card that we think sort of obviously is going to make an impact on. We generally are talking about standard because it's, you know, the main format on arena. Um, but sometimes we allow ourselves to venture into, say, historic or explorer if we have particular reason to. Um, so layup is the card that's obviously going to impact standard generally. Three-pointer would be a card that is a powerful card. It could make it, but hey, maybe there's not a... The deck just doesn't materialize for this. Um, or maybe it waits around for a year and then ends up getting played kind of thing. And half-court, these are the cards that is... We could also call this like wishful thinking. These are the cards that we just kind of want to be good, but we kind of know that they're not actually really going to be played. Uh, and then to tack that on, usually we do overrated underrated so one card we think the community is overrating one card we think the community is underrating but uh we might we might do that a little differently this time yeah this set was hard in general this set was hard i think that's just my yeah. motto for all of it um so we usually start with our layups uh jeff do you want to start with yours sure. because i am i'm having a hard time this set I wrote them down. This is what happened. I wrote them down like two weeks ago when the cards came out. Yeah. And then as I've been getting closer and closer, I've been like re trying to rethink them. And now I feel like I'm completely lost and I don't know what's happening. So uh... <laughs> so I'm feeling okay about my layup. Um, I think it's a good choice. And mm -hmm. I'll explain a little further after I reveal the card, obviously. Okay. Um, but, you know, little uh, little spoiler. This might, I think, pretty sure, pretty sure this is the first time that a layup has ever been a card that is not rare or mythic rare. Okay. This card is an uncommon. Mm -hmm. 
And the card that I've selected as my layup is Stoke the Flames. So for those who do not remember Stoke the Flames, because this is a reprint, mm -hmm. it's two red red for an instant, deals four damage to any target, and it has Convoke. Okay. This this card is fairly innocuous looking. Like you'll read this, you'll be like, yes, I get it. This card is insanely good. This was basically made mono red a thing when it was mm -hmm. first printed. Um, the fact that you could just play all these creatures and then uh, basically dump your hand on the last turn and get damage through without your creatures usually are stonewalled by that point. Mm -hmm. um, it's so flexible does to any target like you cast you can routinely in previous standard would cast this for zero one two three or four like that would, all mm -hmm. of those were just things that happened uh you'd point at that creatures you'd point at that face you'd point at that planeswalkers now you can point at that battles this thing is just it just reads so simple but these two abilities together like this is just very good and mono red has kind of been sort of tier two-ish but Peaking like almost up, yeah. there this might be what the deck needed this card yeah. is just that good um i'm pretty confident that mono red will instantly adopt this in probably four copies mm -hmm. and it might be enough to push it into tier one so i think you will play against this card okay i love that pick and it makes me feel so much better about my original pick. Um, I just want to tell you my my train of thought was that I was going to pivot over from what I originally wanted to, to pick to the card Pylon, which is very similar to what you picked, which is a black rare with Convoke that destroys a creature of Planeswalker and surveils to, but it has Convoke. Um, so I'm not going to actually pick that card because that's one I was going to pivot to, but I like that better because it goes perfectly with my original layup, okay. which my original layup, I picked Bloodfeather Phoenix, which yeah. is one in red for a 2-2 Phoenix with flying and it can't block. Um, so a classic like mono red card and uh as a phoenix does, it will always come back from your graveyard. So it says, whenever an instant or sorcery spell you control deals damage to an opponent or battle, you may pay one red mana. If you do return Bloodfeather Phoenix from your graveyard to the battlefield, it gains haste until that turn. So kind of in the situation that you're talking about, um, I do. I also agree that this, this set has pushed Mono Red a little bit, just given it a bit of a bump up. And having a two drop, the one thing that knocks Bloodfeather Phoenix and what always what was making me not want to pick this card was because it doesn't have haste itself. Doesn't have haste yeah. off the bat, and every other card in the mono red deck has haste. Um, but this card is so good though, especially is... if you're going to play a bunch of Stoke the Flames. Yeah, I was thinking about this card as well. Actually, I was my only reservation about Stoke the Flames was that it was a reprint. It's like. Mm -hmm. Should I be choosing a reprint? Um, but still. I feel like it's it's old enough. We're talking like yeah. a core set that I think was around Cons of Tarkir time. 2015, it was like, yeah, it was a long yeah. time ago. Um, yeah, this card's just imagine the reach that Mono Red now has. They have a bunch of creatures, right? They can now play a big creature, 
then play Stoke the Flames to deal 40 or face, and then bring back Blood Feather Phoenix and attack you. It's like six damage and committing to their board. Mm -hmm. Mono Red normally isn't able to do that kind of stuff, but these the fact that this essentially costs one and Stoke the Flames costs anywhere from zero to four, whatever is most convenient for you. Um, really just give it that. I can do three or four things in a turn in the late game, and it's mm -hmm. my that's like its form of reach. Uh, I think Mono Red's going to be yeah quite a deck. Especially because you still have Play with Fire, which wants to hit their face, and Lightning Strike, which is also yeah. just great. So adding, I think what they what the deck needed was Stoke the Flames and maybe another Flying Threat because all their other hasty two drops got traded with like a um, Blood Tide Harvester, basically like all the time. And you know what? This card may not have haste, but you know what it can do? The turn it's cast? Tap for Stoke the Flames. That's true. Though, do you want to cast this and then also... Like basically, essentially, lose a mana by playing this card to sure, tap it. You have another one. Yeah, you figure figure it out. Assuming anyway, this isn't gonna die. I love that we're both in on Model Red because after playing some <laughs> limited of this format, I want to just blazingly destroy people. That's what I crave, <laughs> and so I'm I'm turning into like a Model Red player in standard. I think right now I, I wouldn't advise Model Red in this limited format. Actually, don't no. I, I'm talking about when I leave the draft and yeah, get yeah. mad, I go play standard and want to play. That's it. I want to win in three minutes. Yeah. Let's go. Boom. Um, yeah. All right. I feel like Vano Red Story has been coming together for years here, and it, mm -hmm. it finally feels like it's it's there or close, mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of cool because they've been giving us stuff here and there. A little just nibbles. Um, there's another really cool card in this uh, set that we didn't talk about. That seems like it could easily go into that deck as well, um, mm -hmm. which I like. But all right, Jeff, we are moving into our three pointers, and I feel more confident now that I can just like stick with the three pointers that I have, and just like, just you know, all How that. How many stress, do you have? I had a few. I, they moved around. It's fine. But this is a card that we haven't talked about yet, and I'm excited to talk about. And I think it will slot into standard. It just like has a it, it's a little funky the way that it fits into the deck. So it, it perfectly slides into the standard deck, except for the fact that it has maybe a little different game plan. But okay. that's why it doesn't like hit a layup. Like you could try using this card. I don't even know if it's like perfect for it, but we'll see. Um, but the card is Rona, Herald of Invasion which is oh. one in a blue for a 1-3 legendary creature human wizard. And it says, whenever you cast a legendary spell, untap Rona Herald of Invasion. You can tap it to draw a card, then discard a card, so you loot. And then you can also pay five and a Phyrexian black to transform it as a sorcery into Rona Talarian Obliterator, which is a 5-5 legendary creature Phyrexian wizard with trample. And it says, whenever a source deals damage to Rona, that source's controller exiles a card from their graveyard at random. If it's a land card, you may put it onto the battlefield under your control. Otherwise, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. 
So just want to say, I think you said exiles a card from their graveyard at random. It, oh, sorry. Actually, their their hand. It's their hand. My apologies. Better. Yes, it is much better. It is hand. My my. <laughs> I think I just so it's so easy. Just rolls off the tongue. The graveyard. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you for catching that. Uh, but yes, so this card obviously goes into Esper Legends, which is a good deck in Sand right now, and. They kind of wanted another two drop because a lot of lists were playing some soldiers that were just kind of there to attack because the main, so this is the reason it's the the three pointers because the main point of the deck is like to turn one Skrelv, turn two Thalia, turn three, you play um, the, the Sphinx. What the hell is that card's name? The the reason you play the deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Knives, okay. Rafine, Rafine. Rafine. Yeah. Scheming. So, yeah. So you play Rafine, you attack with your Thalia. You connive, you can either get a counter or not, blah, 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 blah. But having this card being able to dig through your deck, um, I think is great. And I like being able to, like, you know, tap it before you play Rafine, play Rafine, untap it, attack with it, connive. And so you get to look at even more cards. Discard something that you do want to give it a counter or not. And then in the late game, you can flip it into a threat uh, that gets to play cards for free. It seems it seems good. I just, I know it's not, this card doesn't specifically attack well, which is the reason I think it like, is it perfect? But it reads like it's supposed to go in the deck. Yeah. So I think it's really interesting, but I understand that it's not, most of the time Rafine decks want a two drop that wants to attack and be a good attacker. And this one, I don't know, attacking with the two four, is that exciting? It doesn't have any inabilities. I know it's a one three, but I'm assuming that you can dive into a two four, but. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just imagining this with the stupid um, alchemy Esper thing. Yeah. So it's like, I tap this. Put a counter and on that. Loot, yeah. and then I play that thing, and then I mm -hmm. tap, I tap this, I tap it again, and now I, when I discard, I get the a card, card for back free. Or whatever. Yeah. Like this sounds so dumb. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, in standard, I, I like this pick a lot. I think also there's other interesting things that are kind of going on in standard where this could be reasonable. You know, there are some reanimator shenanigans going on. Looters are good at the reanimator. Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, like, there was a time not so in the not so distant past that a two mana one three looter is a totally solid card that you would play mm -hmm. um, probably we're in a you know time of magic where that's not true anymore but this has a lot of upside over just being a two mana one three looter like the whole transforming and untapping thing like this is just a powerful card. Um, mm -hmm. Looting is very, very good. So yes. you normally don't get free looting on two drops anymore. Mm -hmm. It's not a thing they tend to do, um, but they did it. So yeah, I'm definitely yeah. interested in this card. Especially ones that untap. I love that it untaps. Um, yeah. Because a lot of times you want to you want to loot on your opponent's turn before your turn so that you still have your blocker. But this one's yeah. like loot before you play your legend, uh, see if you get hit your land drop or not, um, that kind of stuff. For sure. Uh, um, 
and you're talking about like building around that. I think you're probably pretty happy just playing this in certain decks that have looting. a few legends. Like yeah. you don't have to be all in on legends, but you just happen to be playing a few. Totally. Uh, I guess like, uh, your Grixis deck with a shield written in it or whatever. That's true. Um, it might be good enough to see that kind of play. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously the dream is like everything I play is a legend and I'm just looting yeah. like crazy. Yeah. I, I guess I guess the only reason I was thinking specifically of that deck is because it's actually a deck in standard that people do play. So it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Oh no, for sure. It makes sense. That. Um but I do I like, like it. it. You can also go in like um uh, like any planeswalker deck, all the Esper Planeswalker decks, because it is block. So Yeah, not to mention like one of the problems with like one of the interesting things about this card is that one of the reasons looters are good or a one three looter is presumably good is it comes down early, but then it's relevant late because it helps you filter your draws. That's true. Um, but then you have to make the decision like what's better for me in the late game, changing this into a five five trample, or continuing to sculpt my hand mm -hmm. um, when I'm like low on cards. So I think there's an interesting decision that this card implies in the late game like how do i want this card to because once you once you turn it into a five five just you don't is. get to loot anymore yeah and your opponent's hand is probably nothing so mm. the ability may not be super relevant that's true but it's a it's a five five trampler so i think there's going to be some times when you want to transform this and sometimes when you just want to keep on looting that's that's true which is what's better about it so anyway yeah, to be fair that so just so everyone's clear that's a upside when you get to choose which mm -hmm. side of the card you want that's bonus that makes it better yeah instead of being like it's only good if you flip it yeah anyway i think that would be quite nice and might get there but jeff like do, you have a three, do you have a three-pointer for us okay i do mm-hmm now I'm curious about your thoughts on this card because I read this card and I thought it was busted. Okay. Well, that might be a bit strong, but I thought it was very, very good. Okay. And I've seen literally zero talk about it anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering now, I'm like second guessing myself, but I've, that's why I got moved into the three point. Gotcha, category. for sure, for sure. And continuing on my newfound love of cards that are not rare or mythic rare. Mm -hmm. This card is also an uncommon, much right. like my layup. And this card is called Scorn Blade Berserker. So this is a one mana zero one. It is a human berserker. Mm -hmm. It has backup one and it has one and sacrifice this creature, draw a card. Yes. So, so to me, yeah, go ahead. To me, this is Elvish Visionary with a ton of upside. Mm -hmm. Right? Like it's your two mana creature that draws a card, but it can be so much more than that. First of all, it could just be a one mana play that's one, two. Mm -hmm. um, and you can start getting in there if you really want. Um, but mostly converts your other creatures, gives them a powerful sacrifice ability when they're no longer relevant. Um, tokens, like anything pretty much in the late game. And it 
has haste like the one damage has haste when elvish visionary comes down it's just a one one the body usually only matters if you're playing like an elf deck mm -hmm. or you get to chump block or something this puts that power somewhere a little more meaningful um and also you could draw two cards off this because you back up something you sack it and then this still has that ability mm -hmm. so um i don't know this card's this this card is right up my alley this mm -hmm. card seems like the nuts to me. <laughs> uh, I, it's everything I ever wanted in a black one draw. <laughs> yeah, which is I I did see some discourse about this card. Um, oh, okay. So, uh, but I think it's very similar to what you have presented right now. Um, yeah, I think the comparison to Elvish Visionary is the natural thing to do, right? Yes, it's two mana draw a card small creature yeah don't care so much about the body i will i will say that it to me i i didn't think of it as elvish visionary immediately just because like you don't get to keep the creatures so then i was like in the situation yeah, yeah. where it this is the only it depends card. why you're playing elvish, like in an elm stack yes. this isn't elvish visionary yeah. <laughs> but i think that it's a good comparison that i overlooked because of thinking that that was more important than it really is. Um, for me specifically, this card doesn't doesn't speak to me. Um, what? <laughs> it's a I one can... drop. You use. I remember okay. somebody saying that cards that are cheap look better. It's true. Than it's cards true. That are expensive. But this is also a card that has zero power. <laughs> I know that it it sometimes has That's, one, yeah, but. That's... I it like has my one, one drops, power if you want it to, Zach. But I really like one drops that have two power. <laughs> wow. This should have been backup two. You're right. Let's let's call it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey. Um, but no, I think this this is exactly the kind of thing that's like up your alley and, and I love this card. Works super well with what you want to do, especially if you want to be able to like give your other creatures this sack ability. Um this was such and, a nice diamond in the rough find for me while I'm looking through the set and I just like spot this one. I'm like, wait, holy yeah. shit, what does that card do? It also I seems like it. A, an interesting card, like if you're playing it with Tyvar and you're gonna bring it back because you sacked her to draw a card to find your Tyvar. Oh, you know I am. It comes you back and gives, playing it with Tyvar. Yeah, it gives a plus one plus one counter to something else, then you can sack it again to draw another card. And so that engine is so cheap that it seems really exciting and fun. Um, so it is definitely a card where I'm excited for you to show me the best shell that it can be in. I am not interested in finding it myself. I'm excited for you to do it for me. That's I think that's what how I feel about it. <laughs> it might not be me though. It might it might be the the hive mind, mm -hmm. and, and it's just a a tier one deck with this card. The hive mind. Are you are you talking about? others i think that yeah, yeah the hive mind like so, the, the internet I guess. yeah yeah i guess when i said i saw a discourse about it i think i should be more specific i saw exactly one person talk about it and that person was getting berated and attacked by several other people saying that they're so okay. wrong so that's what i saw i about see it. yeah so it's yeah, that, that does clarify things. yes it, it was not like oh, this card is great it was like hey this is like elvish visionary and a bunch of people be like fuck you no it's not that this card sucks <laughs> you know <laughs> sounds like twitter <laughs> yeah so that was the discourse i saw it was it was not uh... so i think you're still you're still clear to be the first one to be like this card's amazing and people will 
believe you. Nice. So, okay, good. Yeah, so you're good. You're you're all you're in the clear. I think people might realize though. They might figure it out. Mm -hmm. All right, Jeff. Do you want to go first with your half court shot? The are you gonna pick a rare or mythic? Maybe. <laughs> Just maybe. <laughs> are you super budget this round? I I so I have options for both. Okay. I think it could be kind of fun to just keep it, keep it uncommon. I, I love it. I love it. Okay. So uh, this is a card that um, is a limited signpost uncommon. Okay. And when I read it, as I was drafting, I was like, is this constructed playable? I don't know. So it felt like the perfect thing to put as the half court shot. Because mm -hmm. like, I could see a world where this is a real thing. And the card is Elvish Vatkeeper. So this is one black green for three to mm -hmm. On ETB, incubate two. And then you can pay five to transform an incubator you control and double its plus one plus one counters. So that ability is there, but mostly mm -hmm. in, if you're thinking constructed, this is a three, three plus a two, two a promise of a two, two. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's that far off constructed playability for three mana. And if like there's like a black green Phyrexian or black green deck, uh, incubator deck, this could be a reason why. Maybe Sultai with Tezzeret to transform that thing for free. And then this becomes a three, three plus two, two for three with uh, extra activated ability. Not bad. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a little, it's a little tight because. You know, in limited, this card's amazing because you're already interested in the three three for three. Yeah. In constructed, you're not already interested in the three three for three. It has to do a lot more than that, and this does a little more than that. And if you build around it, it can do a lot more than that. So, um, super dependent on whether the shell is really there. But I'm coming in pretty optimistic on incubate. I think even just playing one draft with it, I'm like this. This is a better mechanic than I thought when I read what it does mm -hmm. and they've really pushed it a lot of the cards are very very good at having yeah. incubate so if there's like an incubate deck i could see people playing this mm -hmm. i wonder how important incubate tokens are going to be just for fighting against things like um the six minute uh wandering emperor that like wipes right. like wipes boards or even board wipes in general we got a really good one to set um uh, things like that. Right. You're like because what you're saying is the incubate tokens aren't creatures, so they don't get wiped, mm -hmm. and then you activate them and they attack down the exactly Elspeth right away. Because mm -hmm. yeah. uh, planeswalker decks love to have the the battlefield clear, only have their creatures, things like that. Um, so being able to keep creatures like incubated until you're yeah. ready to attack with a bunch of them um, and do an all out strike could be something that it sees play um and and it's one of those things that's like there's a lot more skill to it than you might expect from mm -hmm. just a creature token like creature tokens don't usually have this much play to play. them so it's actually so this is important i don't know why i just thought about this but there has been a change in the rules text of creature tokens because of incubate so originally creature tokens can't transform, right? 
So if you make a token copy of something that transforms, it can't transform because tokens don't transform. This has now changed that rule. So that if you make a token copy of a card, it is a, or yeah, it is a, uh, it will transform the same way that other things do. However, clone effects won't still transform. Yeah. So only yeah. tokens are now allowed to, because this is the first token that transforms in the history of magic. So and it, it will transform the same way as the card it copies. Correct. So, um, so if you create a, co a token, oh my God, if you create a token copy of like a werewolf, for example, Graveyard Trespasser, it will transform uh, any of your other examples. Will, but of course, we well. can't, we still can't copy like Jace Friend's Prodigy, right? Because I think that exiles and comes back. Yes, correct. And, and if you exile a token, then it won't. Um, so it only works with transform cards, not cards right. that exile and come back. Um, so that's just a random thing that was in like a, a weird like rules change in a wizard article. So if you didn't know that, it's very quarter case. But if you're looking for bizarro things to do, you can, that's now legal where before it was illegal. So um, nice. I love it. Very excited for that. Um, my... You know what? I don't know if I have a soft spot for this, these stupid cards, or it's just like the, the weirdo in me. But this, this half court shot is so bad. It's so bad. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it anyway because it was one of the one of the things I thought about, and we talked about a card that's similar to it tonight. So I thought maybe I should just keep it. It's it's definitely not that card, but it, whenever I read a card that says things like this, it makes me think of the card we talked about. And I think you know what card that is. Maybe, I don't know. But I'm gonna pick a battle and my battle is Invasion of Ikoria, which is oh, X, okay. it's X green green for a six defense battle siege at rare. And it says, when Invasion of Ikoria enters the battlefield, search your library and or graveyard for a non-human creature card with mana value X or less. Put it onto the battlefield. If you search your library this way, shuffle. So this gets one or two cards that are non-humans onto the battlefield for X or less, which is exciting. And the card I'm talking about is Court of Calling. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, just yeah. for the... Listening, huh? Court of Calling. This is yeah. not. It's not. It's <laughs> not instant speed, and it you can't tap your creatures to pay for it. Though I do think that we haven't had green cards in standard for a while. Really, really. Like not Jund, because you know that's being propped up by Rakdos, and Rakdos props up a lot of different colors. Green. So this fits into the stupid mono green deck that they're trying to pan to us through this set, but I am on board for trying. Um, but having a way to uh, tutor up the pieces that you want, either this goes into that deck or it goes into some stupid combo deck, but I really doubt that. Um, but being able to find both those pieces or whatever you want, like five mana, find your, your great, uh, 
three mana play, which is um, what's his name? Uh, Pelucranos, or you're finding um, anything else. I don't know what the the different pieces are, but um, tutoring up and coming into the battlefield, those cards that you want, plus something that went into the graveyard, sweet. It does flip into something. That's not necessarily what I'm excited about because I don't I don't think that standard's going to be about battles. I just, or at least not. I think the the battles that are good are going to be like cheap and with low um, defense counters. Yeah. So it's super. You, it's like send a creature there and flip it. Mm -hmm. This is like commit your board, commit your yeah. attack to, to flip it. Six is a lot. It does transform into an 8-8 eight, eight with reach. It is... That makes all your creatures deal combat damage directly. Like it's... Yeah. Uh, Zalortha, Apex of Akoria. And so each of your uh, non-human creatures can assign their damage to your opponent. So it basically makes lethal attacks lethal, for sure. Um, one of the most confusing texts ever, honestly, like for new players... All right, so I, I'm actually going to read this out because this is important. So uh, it just says, you may have those creatures assign its combat damage as though it weren't blocked. Just if you're new, that means that it does not assign damage to the creature that blocked it. It can still be blocked, but it just, you can choose not, you can choose to assign the damage to your opponent. It does like super trample. Yeah. So this is the classic Thorn Elemental, right? Like, yes. As a kid, I didn't under, really understand Thorn Elemental, and the part exactly. that we misplayed it was, we thought it was unblockable. We thought it was yes. just like a confusing magic way to say unblockable. Yes. Um, that's not true. You can block it, so you can kill it. Stack up eight. Mm -hmm. You can stack up eight power worth of blockers on this thing, mm -hmm. um, and it will die but it's up to the attacker whether they want to kill all of your blockers or they want to just do eight damage to your face. Mm -hmm. So that's the reason I wanted to talk about it because that- I think Arena will help with that a little bit because it'll be like, you click do you where want, you want damage what do you to want go. To. Yeah, but um, that is important to note in it. This is not the reason I'm excited or interested in this card. It is the half court or out of the court or up in the rafters shot is, you know, last set I picked a card that was X green, get a random card yeah, off yeah. the top. This one is get a specific card. <laughs> so yeah. I, <laughs> it's They're not so much. bad court of callings, but in different ways. Basically um, that one cheated mana cost. This one doesn't cheat mana cost, but also can get stuff from your graveyard at the same time. So if you're interested in two drops or three drops, having a five mana pull two three drops you know you 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 gain one mana in that exchange um i think it's uh i think it's interesting so if obviously you can't do two pelucranos because one of them would die but in a big stompy green deck that's using some enchantments that are in this set i would i just want to see green be played um and I would love if a card like this or the card like last time. I want one of these cards to be in this deck. I don't have high hopes. That's why I put it here. But I wanted to talk about a battle, and this is the one I picked. So there you go. <laughs> I, I love cards like this too, but man, they don't make them like they used to. 
Like they used to make real green tutor, creature mm -hmm. tutor effects. And uh, th this one I could see if it's like a creature combo deck. Mm -hmm. So you're, you have a few combo pieces that cost two or three, and this gets either one. That's where something like or this becomes very powerful. Both. So, so how does it get both? Sorry, I have to turn my head aside. So it just says... Um, oh, and or and graveyard. Or graveyard. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So, so you can search your library and graveyard. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that that pushes it over. Like before I knew that part, I was like, not as excited. But it pushes it mm -hmm. over a little bit where you're like, okay, play the beginnings of it. That gets killed. Now let's get two things. Yeah, I missed that on first reading. When you were talking about mm -hmm. two creatures at the start, I thought you meant like you get one off this and then maybe you flip it. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, like, like eh, is that two, getting two creatures though? No, 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 no. <laughs> the The flip side, I'm not even breathing. <laughs> like, it's it's just, it's it, it doesn't <laughs> it's, it's really care. <laughs> yeah. um, but like, unless you're playing Gruel or something, which I do think there's a possibility of like a Gruel battles deck mm -hmm. in the format, which is an uncommon I thought you're going to bring up, but um, but uh, maybe it goes in that deck instead um, to help you get in there. Non-humans, uh, as magic should be, non-humans. All this human tribal bullshit, so boring. Yeah. <laughs> While I love white cards that are all humans or knights or yeah. whatever. Weren't you just complaining last week about human soldiers versus human knights? Like... Yeah, there are two wolves inside of me. One fights the other one. One cares. I guess maybe one's a human and one's a wolf. Am I a werewolf? That's Whoa. that's basically where this is going. Jesus. Anyway, Jeff, let's keep going. Let's get. Let's yeah. keep going. Super fun uh, three picks. I'm excited to see how mm. these turn out. Um, so normally we would move on to overrated at this point, um, but we haven't been like seeing a bunch of cards that people are just really psyched on that we felt necessarily were bad. Like, I feel like there's so many different cards that do different things in this set and everybody's talking about different stuff that there wasn't one necessarily card in particular that it felt like, whoa, why is everyone talking about this? Like, yeah. We gotta, you know, set set our listeners straight. So instead, for this, I tried to go for cards that I feel like people could overrate. Um, and so I have a slam dunk one to start. Okay. And I hate to do this, by the way. I hate this, but it has to be said. So my first card for card that definitely people are going to overrate is Monastery Mentor. Oh no. I, I'm sorry guys. No. Sorry, guys. This, card is, this card is too hard to make work. It just is. It's not worth it in standard. In like Legacy or Vintage or whatever where all your spells are fucking free. Yeah, that's a different story. And I know what you're going to say. Oh, it's Convoke. We had Convoke the first time. Stoke the Flames existed the first time this card was printed, okay? We had that. It's too hard to make work. It's the classic. You need creatures and spells. And if you don't draw the right half of your deck, you just lose. But on top of that, 
if they kill if they just kill your monastery mentor you also just lose um it's a trap guys it's a trap I loved this card when it came out I have a bunch of them in a binder uh, in my basement I was going to say they're over there but they used to be there now in my basement um wow it was too hard to make this card work in a yeah this is like a reprint for commander and for I don't I don't know is this card banned in, in like legacy or something or in vintage I, I don't know but I know it's good there because all your spells are free so it's like it's, oh it's, I play monastery mentor I, then I take another turn and then I like, sure yeah obviously that's good yeah but, uh it's I play all my boxes <laughs> yeah it's restricted in vintage so yes, right it can't be banned in, in vintage yeah. but but it's still legal in everything else Cool. So, um, yeah, not guys, don't craft, don't craft these. Mm. Yeah, sorry, okay. I agree. The mythic rare, don't do it. <laughs> I agree that you shouldn't craft them because they're not a sure thing. But I don't agree with just letting the dream die. <laughs> if you... I've already, I've already let the dream die. I tried, man. I tried. And and now stuff is better, and I think that puts this in a worse position than it was when I was trying to make it work. And so, hey, I hope I hope I'm wrong, and one of you figures out sweet monastery mentor brew, um, and it just absolutely crushes with it. That I hope that's true. I won't be spending my time on it because there's too much other cool stuff, and uh, I feel like I learned my lesson on this one. Hmm. I I like the idea of like playing it in a different way where like like <laughs> not that this is really what that deck would ever really want to do but I like the idea of it being in the monomite mid-range deck where most of your cards are like enchantments or planeswalkers and so it's not as like a you're not using it in the same sense of like oh i'm gonna play a bunch of spells and like uh do damage to your face and try to make dudes and like attack and then play instant speed stuff it's just like i play this card i play the, the rest of my deck and it starts to get bigger and bigger and like can you use your cards to deal with this card or do you have to spend time dealing with my planeswalkers that seems possible like three into wandering emperor like monastery mentor into wandering emperor on their turn is that great? I don't know, but that sounds interesting in the realm of possibilities for this card. Yeah, I think the the thing that, that this card is very enticing, mm -hmm. and the thing that was even true back in in twenty fifteen or whatever, build with this card. You you can't really play it on turn three. It's just going to die and have done nothing because it dies to everything. And so what you end up doing is sandbagging it and then trying to do like a three plus two on turn five or whatever. But like the games it loses you because it does that are just, they just outweigh the games where they don't have a spell for it and it just, it just goes off because they always have a removal spell for it. It's constructed. Yeah. So it's like the power level is there, but you have to understand like how many hoops you're jumping through for this thing. And so I just don't think it's going to make it as like, it's pretty good in a white deck that happens to play non-creatures. 
because it doesn't do anything when it comes into play. And in today's magic, your stuff has to do something when it comes into play. Um, it's true. That is true. It's, it's a bummer. I love this card, but I, I just don't see it, guys. I don't see it. I'm going to put one. I'm going to put one in my mid midrange deck. Yeah. And you're going to lose a, a game or two. <laughs> no, because everyone will be like, why the fuck is this card in your deck? And it just doesn't trigger off of anything that's terrible. <laughs> and then I win somehow because of it. Um, no, I don't know. But I understand. I, I, hate, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, folks. Yeah. The card looks sweet. It is not. Whatever. Well, sorry, it is sweet, but it is not good. Okay, whatever, Jeff. Um, I think all cards are good and nothing has been overrated. <laughs> so I I have nothing to add to this segment, I believe. Okay. Uh, <laughs> do you do you want me to list another one? Or... I mean, like if you okay, if okay. you have more, you know, go for it, Jeff. Let's give us another one of <laughs> another monastery mentor. <laughs> okay, this one's a little less soul crushing and okay. uh, a I mean, little I, more just like I like the soul crushing ones. They they hurt a lot, but I need you to right. do it for you know every once in a while. So like keep me in check. Yeah, I think the one for me that it, it's just a card I read and I imagine again. I imagine people are probably rating it higher than they probably should. And for me, it's uh, Hidetsuku and Kyrie. Okay. Uh, so this like obviously yeah okay so it's two blue blue black for a ogre demon dragon five four flying when the ETBs draw three then put two so you, you brainstorm when an ETBs draw three put two uh, on top of your library and then when it dies you exile the top card target opponent loses life equal to the mana value of that card and if it's an instant source you get to cast it for free so like the obvious thing to do here is take some gigantic sorcery you brainstorm it to where you know it's going to happen and you figure out a way that this dies whether that's sacrificing it or even pointing your own stoke the flames at it or something ridiculous and so it's like a, it's a combo card you you would never mm -hmm. play this i don't think on its own merits um but i think a ton of people are going to get excited by this craft this card and try to create some sort of like Grixis, I'm assuming, combo deck and finds the, the biggest, dumbest red burn spell that exists. Um, isn't, isn't there like a like a 10 mana deal 10? Um, that, that would be perfect, right? This You reveal it, yeah. you lose 10, and then you cast it and they take 10. There's something like that from one of the recent sets. It's like, it, it's very expensive, but it's a lot of target me... damage. Let me see, but that sounds kind of familiar. Um, this card, I, I have played it. It's not your type of card, I don't think. It's it's it. it's not. Um, <laughs> it is okay. The card you're talking about is from Kamigawa. It's explosive singularity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it costs eight red red, and it deals ten to any target. Um, oh, so it is a 10 minute deal. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's the dream then with this. You 20 them. That's just not, that's not a good combo. <laughs> There's too many 
too many things that have to go right and like yeah i guess i guess it is somewhat resilient people don't usually interact with the top of your deck um but you know they'll exile this or or they'll counter counter this or something because it's very expensive like mm -hmm. or counter the spell because you cast it I don't know. This this is the type of card that once you realize that combo, you're like, oh, that's so cool. I'm going to build a deck around it. And then you, you're eight wild cards deep on the two mm -hmm. unplayable cards. So yeah, wanted to call this one out, I think. Yeah, I think that's probably a good call out because I don't like this card. Uh, I don't like it. It's it's. I like the idea, but in, in practice, it's like... I think what the thing that I don't like about it is that when it dies, it does the thing, as opposed right. to when it deals damage, it does the thing. You right, because it's a 5-4 flying. So a lot of the mana cost you're paying here is for a 5-4 flyer. Mm -hmm. And if you're comboing with it, you don't care about that at all. No. You're like ignoring most of what you're paying for. So you, So it's like... Like the idea is that you play it and then obviously the dies triggers because of the dragon, because the dragons from Kamigawa, the dies trigger. Yeah. So so I understand why they did that. But it's kind of like, hey, I have this crazy combo. If you kill my thing, you lose. And so then they say, I won't kill your thing and I won't block if you attack. And so then you just end up attacking for five and then drawing the card again. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't love it. Not about this one. I mean, maybe no. in like Command or something. I don't know that. But uh, don't be crafting this on Arena because yeah. pretty sure the deck is unplayable. It is definitely unplayable. Also, remember that Brainstorm is like the hardest card to play ever. So just like, just <laughs> yeah, don't. So much, just don't. Yeah. Just don't do it. Don't do that to yourself. Yeah. Um, we can kind of move into underrated cards. I feel like I have cards that I like to talk about, but they don't really fit in overrated or underrated, which is really difficult. Um, take it away. Yeah, I see. And you said take it away. Um, I want to talk about a card I thought was underrated, and then I continued to read it and realized I don't like it. <laughs> okay. Could have been overrated. This, this card is overrated by me halfway by through me. <laughs> Basically, that's what it is. Um, I think that's, uh, sure, I'll take that route, is that like it was overrated until I read the rest of the card and realized I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't like it, which is the last Praetor we didn't talk about, which is Eurobrask. I don't like this card. I um, Eurobrask is two red red for a 4-4 four, four legendary creature, Phyrexian Praetor with first strike. Oh. Amazing. I love that. So good. It says whenever you cast an instant sorcery spell, it deals one damage to each opponent, and then you add one red mana to your mana pool. Oh my gosh. That sounds so good. This goes right into this mono red deck. You blast your opponent with a bunch of stuff. You get a bunch of mana. You keep blasting them. It says uh, you can pay one red mana to exile it, then return it to the battlefield transformed. Activate only as a sorcery and only if you've cast three or more instants or sorceries this turn. Okay, hard, but I'm getting mana back from this card. I'm going to have a bunch of burn spells. It's going to be great. I'm obviously going to draw them all at the same time. It's going to be perfect. And I bet the backside is going to win me the game. Um, it says, the great work 
so it, it transforms into the great work and the great work is a uh, saga that first chapters it deals three damage to target opponent and each creature they control pretty good doesn't completely wipe the board but uh gets rid of most things um create three treasure tokens helpful i guess for the next part which it says until end of turn you may cast instants and sorcery spells from any graveyard if a spell casts this way it'll be put to graveyard exile instead and then transform it so i was really excited about this card i thought it was gonna be really cool i think after looking at all the cards i could play that would just be burn spells and stuff and then thinking about it realistically all of it seems like it seems closer to a trap to me um but i was super high i was like oh i love the front side of this card so much i'm so excited so in actuality maybe i just like play the front side and never flip it <laughs> but yeah. um because the problems with some of these Praetor cards too, this one has less of that issue than the other ones. But like when they when the transform ability goes on the stack, you can still kill the creature before it transforms. Like you have that window. Um, this one obviously it doesn't cost as much, but you do spend your entire turn using a ton of cards in your hands. Like you only have like one shot at it. Like if you don't get to flip it, the time you get to cast three spells in a turn, like, I don't know, you won't. But in the end, I don't think you really need to flip it because like it it's not it's not gonna win the, the games where you like mono red has a really hard time with like shield raid and stuff where you gain life or big bodied creatures or things like that. It doesn't always have problems with a bunch of little dudes. So because there's like Brotherhood's End, or obviously you don't want to wipe all your creatures, but like I don't know. I it's, I, I was valuing it very highly. And since then I've started to value it a lot lower. So that is why I feel like I wanted to talk about it. Once yeah, again. I think this, this card to me is the, it's a trap. The, it's, it's a trap. trap. It's um, not worth, that third ability is not worth what it's asking of you. And then the front side, it seems good, but only because it has the backside. So it's so easy to fall into the trap of this card. But uh, mm -hmm. I don't think you'd play this front side. Like there's better stuff to be doing at four in your yeah. mono red burn deck. Yeah, something that has haste, like Rampaging Raptor. Right, exactly. So. And we come back to the, it's got to do something the turn it's played. Exactly. Anything? So I saw an interesting uh, Twitter thing or, it was, I saw it on Reddit, but it was a post of some uh, a screenshot of some guy's feed on Twitter. And it was back-to-back -back people that he followed. One was saying, like, poor Urbrask has literally always been the worst of the cycle every single time the cycle was made. Mm -hmm. And then the second one that was, like, right next to that in his feed was wow, is Urabrask finally the best one instead of always being the worst one? So, like, two people saw the spoiler and, like, both had the same idea that Urabrask always sucks, mm -hmm. but they felt opposite about, about this card. This card, yeah. Uh, and I was on the side of Urabrask sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he's the worst one, but uh, 
because some of the Praetors are cool but pretty bad. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. I think he no Shieldred. Yeah, he might be the worst one. But he might I, be the worst one. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so that's that's a bit of a bummer. Um, but oh well. But like, was he the worst one of the previous cycle? I feel like he was better than like Rando Jin Cataxius. Uh, did people play the did people play game? either of them? I don't know. No. We played but like people played Children and Born Class. Yes. But like which the previous cycle of the previous cycle. But like which one was worse, like um only getting to play your card on your turn and you never draw a card? Or countering your opponent's first spell basically every turn. Yeah, one was like twice the mana cost of the other. What's a twice? It was like seven and five. That's not twice. Yeah, I thought, thought Urbrask was four, but okay. No, no, I think uh, it was five. Yeah, five's pretty bad. Yeah. All right. Anyway, well, it right. doesn't Urbrask matter. Sucks. <laughs> yeah, I'm just. <laughs> I, I just it's it's just rough. I I'm on the in side. In my head, it costs four because that's what he should got. He originally cost four, and then I think the second one cost five, and then this gotcha. one. Gotcha. Yeah, 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 I think you're right. Five five sides, right? Um, which was a reason he was not played. But hey, who knew that mana costs matter? You know. <laughs> but oh well. <sighs> Jeff, do you have an underrated card? Yeah, again, I've sort of been just trying to pick out cards that I think will likely fly under people's radars. So I've picked one sort of particularly here, um, and that's Invasion of Segovia. So this is a four defense counter battle for two and a blue. And when it enters the battlefield, you create two 1-1 one, one blue Kraken creature tokens with trample. Uh, and then it flips into something. It's a 3-3. Three, three. Beginning of your end step, you untap four creatures, and it gives your stuff convoke. Um, definitely some upside there. But mostly I'm thinking, it looks to me from perusing this, that there is a blue-white token strategy. Uh, or like blue white X could be Esper, say. Um, token strategy available, you know, with with invasion of new Phyrexia, but then just a lot of the uh, like uh, anthem effects going on. Um, that I think blue white tokens might be. I don't know if is it tier one. I don't know, but it might be a real deck. And this is a card that would just slot in there. It's a three mana way to make tokens with that have trample, which is really good with anthem effects. Mm-hmm. And uh, it flips into something eventually if you wanted to. I think, you know, there there's a shot that that's a real thing if this token deck, people can figure out how to build it. And I think the reason I picked this is like, I imagine most people, myself included, blew right past this the first time they they read the spoilers like mm-hmm. what what is this card whatever like your brain your brain has auto skip this this card has auto skip written all over it so it's like it... you know, people could conceivably play this and most people if they're anything like me have written it off so mm-hmm. uh, 
That's why I thought it was a good underrated card. Yeah, I definitely think I like the backside of this a lot as like a play tons of non-creature spells or planeswalkers or whatever. Or I mean, obviously you want to play like play token generators, right? So this they're not creatures, mm -hmm. but now your token makers have convoke and anything that you can play at instant speed. So are you just holding up counter magic, or you or drawing cards, or you what like anything yeah i'm picturing it's like tokens but your spells are counters and draw cards mm -hmm. uh, which is or where like, you get a big advantage out of blue yeah or like huge um huge instance that you want to cast that you normally take to cost too much or different things yeah i like it i want to see that deck as well um jeff i think it's getting late and we've drank most of our beer so <laughs> that was great good set good first sips i'm happy um do you want to go to last call let's do it sick so as always we rate our beers on a scale from bronze to mythic just like the tears in arena look how that works out um as always this has nothing to do with which tier you are in currently um uh the tiers are just a fun way to rate beers uh so please don't feel bad when we say that bronze beers are trash they're horrible uh bronze beers that we rate are horrible not bronze beers that have gotten a bronze medal from a uh you know a event that they've or yeah. competition they've put turns out that's so a different thing they it don't is our rating system for some reason but our, our rating system means bronze beers are horrible and you can't drink them. They're just that bad. Yeah. Silver beers are not necessarily bad. They're just not interesting. Uh, not a lot going on and macro brews tend to find their way into this category. That's right. Gold beers are fine, but you wouldn't really drink them that often. Platinum are solid. Yeah, you would have this again. Diamond beers are exceptional. These are ones that you show to your friends, you drink often, and you really like them. And Mythic, best of the best. These are the beers you can't stop talking about. You drive a certain amount of distance to go get them. These are your favorite beers. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Jeff, do you have your beer for the night? Which one you'd like to pick? I think so. Okay. I think I have mine too, but... Uh, I feel as I have been this entire episode very conflicted. So this is classic. <laughs> yeah. uh, but here we go. You got it in your hand? Yes. Maybe. Three, two, one. Winter Wizard. Winter Wizard. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I I wasn't sure if we were gonna pick the same one this this round, but I'm glad it was mine. Oh yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> I did it. Um Though, with that being said, I think both of them feel kind of similar in in IPAs. They were they were very similar, which yeah. made it kind of interesting to choose. It did. Um, and for me, sort of overall, both slightly disappointing. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of IPAs that I didn't love, but weren't bad. Uh, yes. And so they, they both kind of fell into that category. So it was a bit of a toss-up, but... I think I definitely, like the first one hit me a little harder where I was like, ah, 
and then mm-hmm. I was drinking the whole thing. And then when I had the second one, I was like, okay. Yeah. So I feel that's literally what I'm going on. I, exactly. I felt that difference of, okay, I don't, this seems like a mild improvement yes. <laughs> when I had the second one. And I can't tell if that mild improvement came from the uh, alcohol I have had since. <laughs> right. If I started with, with Winter Wizard, would I think that the uh, Iron Horse Trail was better? But um, it's possible. Yeah. I think it was probably the the magic that mm-hmm. made me like the second one a little better. I agree it was too. Just more yeah. magical. Yeah. Yeah. Great job, Winter Wizard. Um, so that I mean, I don't have a ton to say about these just because that's Yeah, they're both kind of yeah. in their wheelhouse kind of stock mm-hmm. IPAs. Um the first one just had a bit of a an off flavor to me. I don't even really know what it was. I just didn't love it. See, if they gave me the list of hops on the back, I'd be able to tell you exactly which there one. There you go. That, maybe that's the real difference maker. Yeah. You know, like these are both pretty mediocre beers, but uh, this one told me what was in it. So Yeah, so there you go. Um, with that being said, what is that? Gold? Gold? For yeah, both? these are golds. Double gold. Yeah. Um, really quick last call because that's... <laughs> I, I don't have strong feelings for either of them, which means I I will forget about them. Um, right. though, uh, I probably will get more Nickelbrook because I like this thing on the back, but that's, yeah, I like what they're trying to be for sure. Yeah. They they've, we've talked about their logo changes a couple times Ugh. and, uh, but this is an improvement on the back. The Ooh. picture's different, but definitely good on the back. So anyway, kind of disappointing with our beers, but Hey, it happens. Yeah. Every once you in gotta, a while. You got to have the bad so you can have the good, right? That's true. That's true. I hope uh, the next few weeks are quite good, but you'll have to wait to see what that is until next yes. episode. Um, let's go to closing time. So as always, you can reach us at the Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram. You may also find us on MTG Arena itself under the username Arena Regulars Podcast. If you want to talk to me personally and say, wow, you don't know what you're doing in draft and all your picks are terrible, you can find me at Zulberg, that is Z-U-L-B-E-R-G on Twitter and Instagram. But Jeff, where can they find you? I will be hitting you up. I have have those comments. So Mm -hmm. uh, for me, the best place is Discord channel. As you mentioned, that's in the show notes. I go by regular Jeff. That's right. Uh, also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify. Leave us a review there. Go to YouTube. Follow our channel. Give us a comment. Give us a like. All of those things help a ton to help grow our channel. And uh, if you like us, you know, say something. This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you, when drafting March of the Machine, don't do anything Zach would do. Good night. All right, that's fine.